Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, who's been rambling on and on to this week's guest for quite a while before we hit record. Um, But we've got Ron Grady here. Hi, Ron. I almost said hi, Uh, Ron. See, I'm fucking it up already. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Ron Grady. (laughs) Heather (laughs) Burnt-Santi. What do you want folks to know about you, Ron? Oh my gosh, what do you, I want people to know about me? Uh, let's see, I feel like, oh gosh, it's always hard to start. Well, let's see, uh, I love kids. Uh, uh-huh. I'm a pre, I'm, I feel like I'm a preschool teacher, and I say feel like I am a preschool teacher. I feel like I will always be. That's like the core of who I am. Mm-hmm. I taught preschool for six years in New Orleans, uh, most recently, um, but I've worked with kids and families for over 10 years, which is wild to say. <laughs> Ever since undergrad, uh, where I actually got my start at a lab preschool, uh, helping a doc student run studies. And so uh, ever since then, I have just been fascinated by kids' worlds. And so Uh after college, I started teaching preschool and very recently have started a PhD program. Uh, So I'm a second year grad student um, studying education and getting to spend time with kids and, you know, study their worlds and just really dive into the richness that there is. Um, two other things, I guess. Also, I have a children's book called What Does Brown Mean to You? Oh, yeah. uh, that came out in January. Um, and I have a book coming up with Red Leaf Press um, called Honoring the Moment uh, mm-hmm. in Young Children's Lives. And it's on observation, documentation, and reflection. And that'll be out mid next year. Um, but yeah, no, I guess I just, you know, I love kids. I love this work and yeah. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I, I had forgotten about, I'm glad you mentioned the children's book. I'm glad you did both. Cause I love it when people plug for themselves on the show. Um, but I, that will remind me to put a link to the, um, children's book in the episode description so people can, um, can find it. Um, and excited to hear about the new one coming out. Um, I'm gonna have to keep that on my radar so um, you also have a website which I'll let you plug at the end but that's sort of where I found this the blog post it's not even sort of where I found it it's absolutely where I found this blog post um, that I wanted to talk with you about today Um, uh, and first I guess I'll say thanks to Kirsten at Exchange for introducing us because I really have enjoyed digging into your blog, but this post you wrote, it's from a year ago, I think. I think it's its not your most recent, but um, you, it's called Listening for Invisible Intentions. And the quote that I'll use to start us um, is, children is childhood. Heather, okay, I'm going to try it again. Childhood is full of invisible intentions the ones that without listening would bloom and die without our knowledge. Mm. Um, And the blog, of course, is expanding on that. But tell me what what does that mean? And how did you get there? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think that one of the like great joys of like being an early childhood educator is that we get to sit with children uh, in like the small, tiny moments, right, that are just so rich. And I think that 
you know, what that means to me, I think in that moment of writing and now as well, is just like this idea that, you know, there are a million little processes happening at any given moment. And it's so easy to miss the threads. It's easy to miss the threads of what's unfolding, uh, you know, and in this, the context of this blog in particular, I was sort of like, you know, trying to ask questions, get in there, right, further that conversation, learn. I had really good intentions, mm -hmm. um, but I was so focused on speaking and sort of like probing, if you will, mm -hmm. rather than listening. Um, and I would have missed the entire trajectory of this conversation had I not just been like, realized that, hey, like, I need to shut up right now, <laughs> you know, to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, yeah. this conversation is not for me at this moment and that's okay. Um, but I get a chance to watch this thing like, you know, form, right? Yeah. And yeah, and I, I don't know. And I think just to quickly like tie that up, at least as, insofar as I was thinking about it then too, is like this idea that like the intention, like maybe also wasn't even fully formed yet, right? So I was asking about something that, came alive within the context of that interaction um and so when I was asking about this thing it was like I don't know it's like yeah because maybe it wasn't there yet maybe mm -hmm. it wasn't really realized yet and so yeah. you know really just inviting myself into a, a like listening stance yeah and and what you're describing the moment you were in there is children were using watercolors yeah. and yeah. um so and that what I love is when we have something like this that's written about something that literally just happens in the normal world, you know, just in our regular world every day. Um, that just like you said, could be kind of overlooked because we don't slow ourselves down to see that, or we don't we're not reflective enough within ourselves or we're busy or whatever to see that um that magical thing, or we're so into our scripts yes, um, mm. that we feel like we need to sit there and ask the, the color questions and what are you making and write down their narrations and all the things that the textbooks tell us to do. Totally. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I so resonate with exactly what you're saying. And I, I feel like that script and we also have like, I think often have these scripts too of like what can be like meaningful or what can be mm -hmm. deep. I think we have like this very, you know, there's, I feel like there's a thread in early childhood um, that is, like, very focused on, like, the idea that, like, you have to have a certain, even a certain aesthetic, right? Like, the watercolors, for example, like, I, you know, and I say this as someone who loves the aesthetic and thinks it's super important, but I also mm -hmm. understand that, like, at the end of the day, like the quality of the interaction is in this watercolor that has all the colors mixed everywhere, just on a wooden table outside. There's kids, <laughs> you know, like that's where it's happening, right? In the mm -hmm. moments of the everyday um, mm -hmm. of living. And yeah, you know, what does it take to get us to move beyond those scripts? And really just right. to, um, yeah, yeah, I feel like the aesthetic piece is really big right now in terms of yeah. conversations that are happening about working with young children. Um, you know, I think it kind of started with our obsession with Reggio. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, lots of other, other things. And, and I do believe that we should do what we can to, to, to see that children have beautiful spaces and intention, intention behind that too, but it can't be the end. That's, that's not right. the only thing that we set up and then say, okay, well, you have beauty now. Right. See, I so agree. And I, I feel like, you know, that the beauty 
of like the early childhood like lives within the interaction lives mm -hmm. within the relationship it's the relationship that allows that imbues any space with beauty mm -hmm. right um because you know I've had experiences and I'm sure many of us listening or many, you know <laughs> as well, like like we've all had like you know I've like had experiences in really beautifully like outfitted classrooms with the wooden toys and like of course I love it it's great like yeah of you know I would choose it sure <laughs> but, like I've also worked in schools where you know we're outside and we're in trees and dirt and that's and that's beautiful as well or where we're in a small house and there's a half wall here and an air conditioning unit in the window there <laughs> and the drop ceiling above so much beauty right and so I think that yeah, we, we can't, like, we have to be willing to see beauty everywhere yeah. Yeah. and to acknowledge that it's so much more expansive than we want to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back a little bit to the original uh, quote piece. And yeah. um, th one of the things, so you, you describe um, noticing the, the mm -hmm. watercolor interest in, in the children and their activity. Um and and you talk about how you you attempted to strike up a a casual conversation, but you end that piece of the blog with, "I realize that it is my time to be silent to listen." Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's such a hard thing for people who feel like teaching is performing, or um, what if someone comes along and they see me just sitting here and not being in charge of things? Yeah. Um, so how how do you connect to that sort of cultural? Yeah. a real realist realism I guess that yeah. that we see so often yeah no that's a really great question yeah I mean as I the first thing that comes up is what you said about this fear that teaching has to be performance and yeah. this hyper awareness and I I like I you know it's one of those things where I'm curious where it starts right because it's like we theoretically come into the field with a desire to like connect with children and then somewhere along the way so I don't know is it like in prep programs is it in the way that like you know the policy expectations of what we have to do and the benchmarks that we have to meet like put that pressure on us you know so I think that if I were to have any response to that is that like being with the child and like yes like do your you know sometimes in some contexts you have to do the script you mm -hmm. have to say the thing they're going to be people observing you but I would hope at least that they're is also space for listening. And I think, you know, my advice is always just to start where you are, right? Mm -hmm. um, like you might look at someone being really silent and be like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And that's okay, you don't have to, is the beauty, mm -hmm. right? Start with three minutes and just see what comes up for you, right? Of just like sitting with something, with sitting with a child, with um, not, you know, not intervening, right? With not performing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, see what comes up, make a little note about it. Great. Okay. And after a week, after two weeks of that, you might start to notice some trends and threads and you've opened up space in your practice, right? Like mm -hmm. this is lifelong work that we're doing. And, you know, the systems, I think that have made it so that we feel that teaching is performance, um, like aren't going to shift overnight. I think we can push for them, but that's a whole, you know, I think that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, I just often think about where can we, where can we begin, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so my next question then is, um, you know, you talked about how you've been doing this a long time, working with children, uh, 10 years or so. And so I'm wondering, I'm curious, is this where you've always been in your work with children? Is, is this just how you 
you came into it or has there been an evolution for you? That's a really, oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. That's, yeah. It's almost like you do this. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, yeah, I think that I've always liked to listen to people. Um, so I think if I'm like being honest, it's probably something that comes naturally to me but I think with young children generally speaking like there's no doubt that it is like I have been like mentored by awesome people like there's nothing there's no you know nothing like that's like it's not me like I I like to listen but I think that like I had no idea like what it really meant right yeah. like what listening with children meant and so it it really kind of just it started with like my time at being nursery school um, I had like wonderful, wonderful people modeled what it meant to be with children, to listen to children, to step back. Um, and so for me, I'm so grateful that it is sort of like, that's sort of what I started with, mm -hmm. like understanding is the norm. Um, I know obviously there's all the intersections, right, of not having to worry about certain things and the intersections of privilege that come with that, mm -hmm. being in a university lab school, having oh, yeah, the sure. space to do that, you know? Um but I, I'm grateful for those people, you know, at being, and then uh, my very first teacher, like when I started teaching as like, you know, a uh, fresh 22 year old, 23 year old, still like, oh, I'm going to teach a preschool. Great. Uh, her name is Karen Sandstrand and she is just phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. She is like my rock and my foundation. So she taught me like really on the day-to-day -day, in the midst of all of the craziness of all the obligations, she showed me what it meant um, to be with children. And so I hold her like in my heart as mm -hmm. I move this work, you know, she's just, um, so, and that sort of has been my trajectory. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just all had these mentor opportunities <laughs> to, be, to mentor and to be mentored, you know, I, um, I, I went sort of backwards. I started, um, so I've been doing this about 30 years and, um, my first job, I was only 19 and, um, uh, had no training, didn't know you could get, you know, I didn't know you studied, this was the thing you study. I just knew I felt, mm -hmm. it felt right to be with children yeah. for me. And, um, so there were 24 two-year-olds and four adults in this big church room and not very many materials. Cause we had to be able to put everything away. <clears throat> on the church days you know yeah yeah so it was really wild um but I felt like I had I had this conflict of here's mm -hmm. what my instinct is telling me um mm -hmm. but here's what my my image of a teacher is and even though mm -hmm. my instinct was pulling me one way my my sort of script of what a teacher mm -hmm. is um was was pulling me into this other way where I felt like yeah I've got to be in charge and um I'm the star of the show here <laughs> and, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and if I'd had a you know uh you know a mentor um you know uh it would have been different but I learned so much in the path that I was in that that it was okay but then when I um just about um well 2018 I started working at a, it was a clinical lab okay. um, preschool at Purdue, but it was in the speech language and hearing department. So it was, that's what the focus was, but we had grad students in there to be mentored and it was such a different 
initially I was like, there are too many adults in here. I can't handle it. I need my, I need my comfort zone of not enough adults. It was really a bizarre process. Anyway, what I'm saying is, um, you know, I, I kind of went, um, it took me a long time to have an experience where I could really see the value of that kind of, um, uh, the word is failing me defined mentorship, I guess. And, and since then I've been like, man, if we could have this going in all of our kinds of early childhood programs, if this could be a model. Um, um, but that falls into the category of what a high school classmate of mine used to say, if wishes and butts were candy and nuts, what happy (laughs) children we'd be. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's what's Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, sorry, that went down on uh, down the Heather Road for a minute. No, no, I love it. Um, yeah. The other thing that I I mean, I liked a lot of the 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 content, but um I'm also sort of a language nerd and just like when words are cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or new phrasings of things. But you you say very early in the in the post that early childhood materials are latent with potential relational energies. And I wanted mm-hmm. folks to hear you talk about that and what, what that means. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for like, I guess like connecting with that. Yeah. I think that, you know, you know I think that there is something about like certain materials that like, I don't know, maybe this is going to sound too woo woo, whatever, but I like, like woo woo. Go ahead. Cool. cool. We're, okay. <laughs> I'm company then, but like, it has the potential, I don't know, to like connect children, like because of the very nature, like, I don't know, like if you look at watercolors, right? Like they blend, their borders like are sort of, especially in the way that children use them, they're very permeable. They're constantly being refined and changed and they meld into one another and they become something that like is like, you know, was separate and is joined in this other context being the paper and then like, mm-hmm being on the paper together, coming together, like now there's this entirely new watercolor interaction. And I think that, you know, and there are other materials that I think have a similar thing, right? Like, you know, I think blocks are also something similar, especially in a collaborative space. But like, you know, when I was thinking about watercolor, I felt like it was such a powerful metaphor for that interaction itself as well, right? Like these two, these children here having this conversation, they're on the paper, which is the classroom, there are the watercolors there, thoughts, their actions. And uh, it really is just, you know, I think a way of, at least that I hope that I can continue to look at like materials as like something that's really beautiful, right? This, you know, what's the 12 watercolor tray Mm -hmm. is like so much more than this little cheap plastic tray. (laughs) It's this thing, right? And you know, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. And I love it because, um, the tendency, and this is this is systemic. I mean, this is what the system forces us to frame it as. The tendency is we think about materials in terms of do I have enough of what licensing says I need to have? Um, do I have all of my content areas covered? Do I have stuff for math? Do I have stuff for science? Do I have art? You know, and um, I've I've done that. At, there's there's not necessarily anything wrong with saying I want to make sure that everything in this space is thought intentionally you know uh included Mm -hmm. um but then I don't know this this way of thinking about it as um having potential relational energies 
makes it deeper. I mean, it just, or it sort of makes more explicit the depth of of what we're doing with young children and the experiences they can be having with us. No, thank you. I, I appreciate you, like, I think bringing that idea forth and just like, you know, sticking. Yeah, I, I think you're so right, right? Like, again, as you said, there's nothing wrong with having like a checklist. It's really mm-hmm. it can be helpful. Yeah. Uh, and, but I think that it does, like you're saying, like it reinforces this idea of like, okay, we need this, this, this pushes us back into the scripts which again are so helpful and so useful, especially on a really rough day yeah. when I didn't get any sleep last night, my coffee hasn't <laughs> kicked in, you know, I'm grateful to have this thing, but um, yeah, you know, it, it really, it doesn't take much. And I think that it's this constant back and forth too, right? Of realizing that like, we need to do these things and we need to have these standards. And also, like you mentioned earlier, our instincts mm-hmm. uh, through these, you know, through our relationships, through our stepping back, through our presentation of just like, the simplest materials our instincts are valid and mm-hmm. uh you know we can trust them because no one knows these children in this space like we do mm-hmm. as educators right as people working with children and so um you know we can take our wonderful guidelines um with a grain of salt or two or three or a whole <laughs> depending on where you are you yeah, know yeah um and so yeah uh and i I just think, you know, like you're saying, just bringing respect, like these materials, it's almost like sacred in a way, you know, they mm-hmm. really are, right? Like, um, because of the relationship that they contribute to and generate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's right up my witchy alley, Ron. Okay, let me look and see what else I was, I wanted to, to yes, of course. hear about. <clears throat> Um, I, I guess I wanted to, you, I, we talked a little bit about your idea that you realized it's time to be silent and to listen. And what I didn't do is follow up and say, uh, and ask you to talk about how do you, how do you, how do you make that decision? How do you know that that's, this is the time to be silent and this is the time to, um, you know, maybe draw yeah. them out or just engage in, in relational conversation. Totally, totally. I think I set off with like a foundation of giving myself grace to mess up mm. um, because very important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like this blog post is like written like it's Vanessa's narrative, but like you know, there's like you know, who knows? I don't remember the like what happened after at this point, but like yeah. probably that day, that same day, I interjected again. Right. So I think <laughs> just like kindness to yourself, but also yeah. you know, I think it's like always asking like why am I saying this what am I like why am I why do I feel like I need to add something to this right Mm -hmm. and I think that just starting with being aware of why Mm -hmm. like you're saying is helpful or like you mentioned earlier right of like do I feel like I need to be the star of the show am I actually curious about this thing Mm -hmm. do I really want to know if this child knows their colors right now do I really is there another way you know so thinking like why am I asking this um, also thinking about opportunity as well. Uh, and I, I guess by that, I mean, you know, we spend a lot of time with children. So <laughs> like, like the chances are you'll get a chance to interject again if you really need, you know what I mean? Like yeah. times, so don't be time to talk with them and to get that stuff. Like we're typically not in a shortage of hours spent with uh-huh. these young humans, right? And so not, you know, I think I would even err on, I, and I often do err on the side of silence, um in my interactions or or just space I guess is probably yeah. a better way to say that you know and um then also like I think children also will give you cues too right like often and I don't know 
um, in a depending on the tone, can be a cue like I maybe don't want to talk with you right now. Like children are in schools and childcare because of so many things because uh, it's supportive because it's a needed service because it's great for development, uh, creativity, community. Um, but one of the things that I think we often forget is that children are actually living their day to day lives too. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they don't want to talk right now. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, and that's a cue, like maybe it's time to not push. And yeah. I think many of us have interacted with children and seen how if they do want to bring something back up, uh, you know, many children, not all, but many children will mention it mm-hmm. when it's time. Yeah. Uh, they'll come back to it, you know, especially if you have a pre-existing relationship that's one of trust and warmth, right? Like right. they'll come to you when they're ready to talk about this thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, imagine <laughs> if we're doing our work, whatever that is, um, and you've got someone who just plops down next to you and starts peppering you with either quiz questions or genuine like interest, mm-hmm. um, but you're not ready for it or you're you're facing a deadline or you're just, you just want to be by yourself for a minute. It's, it's so much easier to um, connect how we might feel in that situation to approaching children who are who are using watercolors like you like you did with this in this experience and and keeping that idea that in the same way that it's okay for me to not want to be interrupted and and or even just talk to you know doesn't even have to be that negative connotation of the interruption um, can help guide us Mm. with young children too I I appreciate that that moment I remember this um so I've two kids Curtis and Josie they're both grown-ups now um but when Josie was four um we were at like her her dad their dad sorry their dad was a um grad student and we were at a grad student picnic of some kind you know and we're we're from Nebraska and the football team's the Cornhuskers so Josie had a Cornhuskers uh shirt on and this this other guy was like Cornhuskers what about bean huskers and then what about tomato huskers and just thinking he I don't know he wasn't even really trying to engage but anyway I remember four-year-old Josie turned around and went what about shut your mouth husker yes yes and I was like okay that might not have been the best (laughs) moment but it's such a good attention grabbing example of yeah sometimes we can just leave them alone and and read their cues you know um, even if you're just trying to be friendly or funny or yes. whatever it might be, um, sometimes it's just their space. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yes, yes, totally. I plus one all that. Like, that's so great. How about shut your oh mouth? Oh my God. I know. Yeah. It's real, right? So yeah. Uh, 28-year-old grad oh. student, Josie, really probably appreciates oh. that I just shared that story <laughs> again. Um oh they're probably just so used to it um okay so what else did I ask you about now that I've derailed things with my Josie story no I I sorry I also just wanted to say that reminds me of just like we can't like like we can't like make children's work like and their lives fit into only our intentions right yeah like we can't subvert their stuff right they deserve to have something just be for them yeah 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 um I don't know what else do you want to say about this anything else about this experience that you had or the idea of of invisible intentions yeah yeah I think that you know I think that 
early childhood and this is kind of like there's a, a piece I like read and have been holding really close to my heart for a couple of years now by like uh scholars like Haney Yoon and Tran Templeton who are in teachers college and they okay. like write about the difficulties of hearing children out in an adult uh centered world um and you know what it's like to listen to children and I, I think that that is just sort of like you know, that thread, this thread, like those are the threads that I think is just, you know, what I want to take yeah. from what I'm still taking from what I hope others take from this piece is that, you know, we really have to work to listen, right? Like we, with all of our wonderful intentions, mm -hmm. right? like all of our, our love for children, all of our enthusiasm for even their lives as humans, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can still push too far. So really just like, constantly being reflective uh checking in with ourselves mm -hmm. and allowing ourselves to just give children space because they're going to surprise us they always do uh, they're yeah. always you know there's yeah there's <clears throat> stuff there so yeah so I want to ask and I think we've probably touched on this <clears throat> you've probably touched on this throughout the conversation so far but what um sort of what's the what's the benefit of of yeah. of shifting into this way of thinking or leaning into this way of thinking if we already um uh are sort of there but want to be more intentional about it yeah. um what do what do we get from it what do the children get from it it's yeah. capitalism we've got to get something <laughs> yeah all right hey, gosh she is yes again another, <laughs> another potentially awesome conversation yeah. <laughs> but for real though no i think that like you know, I think that's um benefits for teachers are like I think manifold right like there is this idea that we can, not this idea like I think we become just like more reflective like uh -huh. if you're not speaking like you, you just have to be listening you have to be processing uh you learn about yourself as a person you learn about yourself as like a facilitator of children's like learning and creative experiences um and you also I think it can be actually really advantageous when you're thinking about like assessments. Mm -hmm. uh, like assessments is something that I will admit, like I don't have a lot of experience with assessments. Mm -hmm. It's not, it was never my favorite thing uh, to do. I never liked the checklist. And I was, you know, I tried to always be in spaces where I didn't have to do things like that. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, nonetheless, I do think that like, there is something that when you sit and you notice, like you can draw upon so many of these like things, like these, mm -hmm. Like, and I, I think I'm speaking even beyond just like learning stories. Like I understand that those are very rich, um, mm -hmm. but like you can see the way that a child is understanding, like, you know, number theory, like as they're making these small dots and lines on the page. And if you see them pause and then add another one and are watching the way that their mouth moves, like you get it. Like you say, okay, mm -hmm. look, you've got this, right? Uh, I see that in this moment, you understand this and you can make that note. And I, I think you get so many useful snippets and snapshots mm -hmm. um when you can step back and you know especially also if you're someone who is hoping to move that sort of needle or if you're some you know because I think we're all in different spaces some people really appreciate that some people really want to push against that and I think as someone for whom who always felt like more in the camp of pushing against that you know <laughs> luckily, um, yep. but also you know so I I feel like that was sort of to use like a metaphor that I don't really love, like metaphor, but that was sort of like a, I guess a tool in my arsenal, if you will, mm -hmm. or like, you know, something that I was like, okay, I know that we've got this, 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 that I've seen that I've observed um, across this time. 
Um, so I'm not going to actually do this thing, but I'm going to actually, you know, when I'm talking with you about your child's understanding of number, uh, I'm going to reference all of these things and not mm -hmm. some time that we were sitting down counting cubes, right? Um, and then, so that's teacher stuff. Sorry, that was yeah. a little bit raw and Grady soapbox in the moment. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, but uh, for children, I think they feel respected. Uh, I think children also know when we are genuinely interested in them as people mm -hmm. uh, and in their experiences. Um, children, uh, yeah, no, I think that's like the hugest thing because I, I think children are going to be creative and imaginative no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, they have so much, you know, that's their, you know, regardless of context. But I think that children feel seen, uh, they feel understood. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, I think there's a level of trust, right? Because again, kind of like we alluded to earlier, uh, children are often being interrupted or redirected or channeled into a different activity or told that their time's up and it's got to go away. And so they're constantly starting and stopping, starting and stopping um, and often against their will. And so I mm -hmm. think they can build a trust with you when they know that you you can sit there with them and that you can step back. Um, and and yeah, I think also, I guess lastly, I think it's also a model for caregivers as well, right? Because uh, they don't often at least many caregivers don't get to know their children in this way. Mm -hmm. We're spending a lot of time with mm -hmm. them and our environments are often set up for children. Whereas yeah. you know, in your day-to-day -day life at home, you may not get to see your child in this way. And so we also get to share children and kind of like reintroduce them to their caregivers mm -hmm. in that way, which can be really powerful for relationship and just appreciation as a whole. Yes. And takes a lot of pressure off. Of, of the, you know, people, parents, caregivers, whoever's, whoever's in that position with the child, um, they often feel like we need to be constantly doing if I'm a good parent, grandparent, yeah, whatever. Um, again, I need to be leading everything and making sure everything is quote unquote educational. And I feel like shifting their view in this way gives them permission to relax and enjoy their that child and that's what's missing from so many of our contexts I think is that ability to just relax and enjoy the human being in front of you mm -hmm. um which I it, there's so many competing forces to that that whenever we can find moments even if it's just because how long would you say you sat and watched this water coloring Jeez, I mean that was probably or how long it it lasted for them probably I would say probably lasted I mean at least 10 minutes I yeah it's probably there for like I mean this snippet probably I mean is not even a full thought you know yeah like, yeah but that's I, I talk about that a lot when we're talking about observing and assessing when I'm talking with students or, or other um, people who are working in the field um, mm -hmm. because the, the idea is well I have too much to do to sit and watch this, just let this unfold or pay that close of attention to things. It doesn't really take, when, when we think about the span of the hours that were there together that you mentioned earlier every day, mm -hmm. um, and, and then maybe you allow yourself to take longer periods. But to start, you don't have to just scrap your whole day and say, I'm doing nothing, but looking for it, for uh, invisible intentions today. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry, boss. I listened to a podcast this weekend. They said I can't talk to children. I'm literally just sitting here. That's it. That's all right. No, I so I agree. And like I as like 
just to like add on to that too, like I have been, uh, so I've been starting like my field work uh, as part of my research and I'm, I'm, you know, I was saying I'm back in schools, which is really lovely. And as part of my like approvals and stuff, I can do video and whatnot, which is great. Um, but like I, I've realized again, going back, like transcribing 40 seconds of a video with, you know, three children around a certain material interaction, like that can be like a page if you, uh -huh. when you go. You know, but that's like, and I guess like, that's a lot. There's a yes. lot, there's so much there, right? So yeah. I, I just want to echo again, like what you were saying, like you can start with a tiny, 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 <laughs> tiny, tiny snippet um, and see what emerges, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Ron, for this yeah, conversation, for the blog post. I hope people will go find you. Yeah, so the your website is called Child Childology, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and what's the address? What's the, Oh yeah. It's childology.co.co. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, what else? Oh, I was going to let you plug your, uh, your book again, or ask you to plug your books again here at the end. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, what does Brown mean to you, um, is out, uh, it's a children's book published, uh, with Penguin Random House. You can get it in all the places. Um, and really excited to have that in the world. And then, uh, I think it is my book for educators is available for pre-order. Okay. I know it's available on, on the big box. And then also I think on Redleaf's website, Yeah, it's called Honoring the Moment in Young Children's Lives, Observation, okay. Documentation, and Reflection. And so it'll be out officially next summer, but uh, it's cool. available for pre-order now. So, well, so I'm excited. Um, I, I missed somehow. I didn't realize there was a book coming, an adult book, an educator book coming. <laughs> And uh, so my nerd ears perked up. <laughs> I'm very excited. So again, just thank you for being here. Um, it's been really so, so nice to to talk with you about this and to just hear you speak more about the things I'd already seen you writing. Um, uh, so I appreciate it. And I hope you'll come on again sometime. Awesome. Um, uh, so I thank you for being here. And thanks everybody for listening to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.